Hey, I want to do a little sound check here. Can anybody say hello? Okay, it sounds like we have some feedback here. Can anyone hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, yes. Gonna, there's a lot of folks on the call, so let me go ahead and put this back into the Q&A mode. I just wanted to make sure everyone could hear, and we'll get started in just a second. So hold up. Okay, so I think we have this set up here. Uh, I'm presuming everyone can hear me. And I want to welcome all of you to the uh, question and answer call that Ron holds uh, monthly. Uh, as always, we're, we're eager, we're excited to have a chance to discuss your deals live, uh, do it in real time. Uh, equally, we're glad to be able to take your questions in, in what amounts to a, an open forum held monthly. And uh, you've probably noticed by now this isn't Ron. Uh, my name is Joel. Uh, Ron and, and friends, they're busy preparing for what I know is going to be an awesome national convention uh, coming to Nashville beginning on January 30th. I believe that's going to go on for four days of uh, phenomenal opportunities for education, lots of deal making being done. Uh, uh, in the back rooms and deals brought to the stage so you can see deals happen in real time. But for tonight, since uh, Ron won't be with us, I, I'll certainly do my best to provide some guidance, uh, have a discussion on how to do deals Ron's way. And that of course really just means doing deals wisely and uh, in the most profitable manner with the least amount of risk. So before we begin, I was told that I should give a little bit of background on myself uh, to the group uh, and also to go over some logistics for the call that uh, apparently are, are very important. So, so pay attention to this. Uh, we hold the call on the second Monday of every month. So Gold Club members can submit deals prior to the call and we'll review them right here. But if you're not a Gold Club member, you can only listen. Uh, you can't particip participate interactively. Uh, so if you, if you want to be able to participate act interactively in, in next month's calls or the ones going forward, you can get more information on that and, and sign up for the Gold Club at uh, www.ronsgoldclub.com. Uh, the second instruction is how you would ask questions and get into the queue to discuss a deal that you may have going on. So. First, if you are a Gold Club member and you would like to ask a question or discuss a deal 
that uh, you've submitted, uh, and, and there's a couple who have submitted, make sure you press star six and, and do that now so that you can be entered into the queue. So if you've already submitted a deal or you, or you know you have a question, hit star six now so you can be entered into the, into the queue and I can get to you. Now, um, this is a common mistake. So if you are a Gold Club member, you're planning on, on asking a question, and if you did not dial in on this interactive line, the one that's listed in your Gold Club membership, uh, after you log in, you got to hang up now and dial back in using that phone number and that access code so you, you'll be in the interactive mode. Uh, in other words, if you got uh, the general email that goes out, uh, there may be a different number on there. But if you're a Gold Club member, make sure the number you dialed in on is, is for the interactive line. It's listed on your Gold Club membership, so log in there. After you log in, you'll, you'll get the number for this, and then, and then you're going to want to hit star six to get entered in the queue if you have a question. All right, so that's the housekeeping. I trust you guys have that. Um, again, asked to give just a little bit of background. Uh, Joel Sangerman is my name. Uh, and by way of background, I, I've really grown as a real estate entrepreneur in Ron's system that's evolved quite a bit over the last 20 years. I used real estate as a catalyst to, to generate both fast cash and even longer-term asset growth depending on on uh, what you'd want to pursue. Uh, my first courses with Ron actually go all the way back to the 90s. His courses were actually sold on, on cassette tapes at the time. And I can tell you, uh, we did things way differently. Uh, and it was, it was actually not incredibly difficult then. But I can tell you, those of you who are entering this business now, you're going to have a much, much, much easier time than we used to have. Uh, I mean, back in those days, we actually had to go out to the houses and meet with people. You probably should do that now, but frankly, you don't even have to do that um, as you get a little bit more experienced and, and understand intuitively what's going on. Uh, a lot can be done by, by video. Um, but back in the 90s, as uh, well before we had the internet, well before we had the cloud, uh, and all the tech that we have now, all the technology, it makes running this business super simple. And, um, and I'll tell you, you've got the right teacher in, in, uh, in Ron Legrand. I, I can say that, and I don't think Ron would get tired or, or mind me saying this, but Ron's definitely the best teacher, the best coach uh, that I've ever had. That includes uh, going to college. It includes playing Division I NCAA sports. It includes my professional career in healthcare. And the learning system that, and the techniques that Ron and, and the team at Global Publishing have perfected uh, has put me in a position to really have the luxury uh, of doing uh, both businesses that are taught, the ugly house business and the pretty house business. Uh, that means doing wholesale deals where you just make quick cash selling the contract, uh, retail rehabs where you actually repair the house, similar to what you might see on uh, the fake TV shows that are out there, um, for bigger cash, but um, a little bit longer to getting the payday. Uh, certainly the Pretty House system um, had the opportunity to do all elements of that term system, or what we call this, the Pretty House business, so that includes taking over debt subject to existing mortgages, it includes uh, making deals on homes that are overfinanced, where the seller has literally uh, few alternatives beyond us. 
It involves doing lease options, sandwich leases, uh, what we used to call assigning contracts in terms systems or acts deals, just straight up options, and all the different variants of owner finance deals is, as well. And one of the things that I remember early on is that Ron's system, it aims to create transaction engineers. Uh, that's the terminology that stuck with me. And uh, that, that's what the system does, is it enables you to be a transaction engineer. And it really is up to you if you want to specialize in a particular area or if you prefer to, to be a specialist and work in just one very, very specific area. And what tonight is about, and really every month, uh, you have the opportunity to true up your understanding of the system that uh, you've either learned or are learning or plan to learn so that you can get better and so that you can make a lot more money. Uh, a little bit more background. I mean, I've, I've done tens of millions of deals in real estate. I've made money uh, helping both sellers and buyers. Uh, but very importantly, and still to this day, even as somebody you know, who's done a, a, a lot of what's taught in this system, uh, I always try to get on these monthly calls, and I think you should too. Uh, I'm always using the treasure trove that we call the Gold Club. There's, there's so many resources on there. And, uh, and I'll just say that uh, we all should continue to be thirsty for the knowledge that's gained through these sorts of events, these sorts of collaborations. And uh, you have a, a tremendous opportunity to, to do exactly that, to quench that thirst by getting out to Nashville and getting out to the, to the National Convention in a couple of weeks. But, um, I'm sure you have more information on that in your email. So let's go ahead and get started with uh, questions from the field here. Again, uh, if you have a question, just hit star six. I should be able to see you in the queue. And another thing um, that I'll mention to you is, you know, we only budget an hour for this call. Uh, a lot of times when I've done this in the past and others, we, we've gone beyond that. Uh, but this time I am going to end the call promptly at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, so depending on how many questions we have, I'll try and pace the conversation appropriately. I usually do try to answer the, the questions in a framework that serves the best interest of everyone on the call so that more than just a questioner can benefit from the answer. So hopefully that's uh, fair enough for you. And let me go ahead and open the queue here if I can recall how to do this. Bear with me a second. Um, so let me check here because I've got sheets here to go over from Tommy Douglas, but I don't see Tommy Douglas in the queue. So Tommy, if you're on, um, click star six. I do, I did get a sheet from Josh Pritchett. And I, I see Scott's in queue. I see, it looks like Alejandro is in queue. Alina's in queue. W. Uh, Wilson's in queue. So I'll get to all of you. Um, make sure you get in the queue if you have a question before, say, like the next 15, 20 minutes or so, so I can pace everything appropriately. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Josh because he sent in a sheet. And Josh, uh, you should be off mute and able to talk. Uh, are you able to speak? Yep, sounds like I am. How are you doing tonight? Excellent. Thanks very much. Cool. Josh, I didn't, I, your sheet was extremely illeg illegible, but I could see your name on it. So if you wouldn't mind, um, 
correcting me on what I'm reading here. Yeah, no problem. I got a call from Ron's office, and they said it was all, you know, the sheet was all messed up. I guess that happened during the facts or whatever. But yeah, let me know what information you need. Well, let's let's take the the, the most salient points here from the sheet. Uh, sure. Correct me if they're wrong. It looks like they were asking 120. Uh, yeah. The house would appraise for somewhere around 110. Rental comps show it at about 1,300 a month. Um, there, you got the the loan information. They owe seventy three thousand on it. It's got yes. a, a payment of uh, three ninety seven, but apparently that's not PITI. So we need to know PITI, which is principal interest taxes and insurance. Uh, and for yes. anyone else out there, you know what we're driving at is the chunka going out, meaning the principal interest taxes insurance HOA. That's the chunka going out. What you got to pay out needs to be less than the chunk that you can get in. Now Josh has already identified that you can get 1300 just in straight up rent coming in. We usually get more from our lease option buyers, but um, that's the chunk that could be coming in here. So uh, we've got that information and, and then the, the, there's some garbled stuff related to whatever conversation you had with them already, uh, with the exception of the fact that I can see that this seller uh, is potentially going to file Chapter 7 bankruptcy in January. So, Yeah, um, that's what they were possibly talking about. Um, PITI, by the way, is 670 675 a month. On top of the that, 397, or that includes the 397? That includes the 397, about 115 monthly in insurance, and taxes are about uh, 1900 a uh, little over 1900 a year. So call it 675 Okay. And this is a seller who's open to taking monthly payments until we get them cashed out. Yeah. I mean, one of my main questions is if they're open to both the lease option or owner financing, which is the way to go. And a secondary question is uh, real estate ABC in this estimate came back much lower than um, real estate ABC in this estimate came back almost uh, what the uh, – loan amount left on the house is um, this is a house that's within a half a mile of where I live and the estimate and real estate ABC seemed low but I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on trusting my gut or trusting the numbers that are coming up off investment and real estate ABC well I'll answer the, the latter one first sure and what I like to say is that the estimate is sometimes very optimistic and sometimes it works the other way too but I, I for a phone call with a seller I, I think you can use the, the estimate but as far as going as far as going out to the house and actually structuring the deal and memorializing it in an agreement I'm going to want mm -hmm. people to do more work than the than this estimate not much yeah. work this Go ahead. I said, no, I understand. Um, and I actually uh, picked up a, color, a couple other comps. I just spoke with the seller last night, and I was actually going to go meet them uh, tonight at 7 o'clock Central Time, so not too long from now. But um, they ended up in the hospital. Well, not the hospital, but the doctor's office. I guess they got the flu or something today. So we're going to reschedule for a couple days down the road. So I was going to turn it into a meeting from last night to tonight. Uh, so I did 
during the day today, look up a few comps, and I, I feel like the comps are, are more in line with, um, above, uh, you know, more in line with uh, what the house would appraise for rather than the zestimate. Um, so I'm happy to float around it somewhere in between uh, zestimate and and appraise appraise for value. So you mentioned with that the seller to the hospital. You, you you didn't you didn't beat them into submission on doing this deal, did you, Josh? No, no. I, and the hospital would be uh, not correct. They just went to the doctor's office and I think got some medicine for the flu, and that's all. Okay. Uh, okay. So no, I didn't beat them into submission. I yeah, would have loved we, to have gone we, over there tonight. Yeah, that's not one of the techniques that's that's taught in this system anyway. But no, they're uh, <laughs> they're happy. They're they're. They seem more than happy to work with me, and I'm 100% positive that if they didn't wake up sick this morning, we'd be meeting in 30 minutes from now or so. Yep. Well, um, so what do you want to do with this deal? Um, well, here, let me answer your, your – well, let me ask you, and then we'll get to yeah. you know, what you want to do with this. So sure. you got to tell me, would you, I mean, generally speaking, would you rather own something or would you rather – have a loose option because you asked about would you rather you know they, they're open to monthly payments and you asked what's the better structure yeah I mean I you know I guess I would rather have and I'm you know I may be wrong I hope it's not a trick question I, I think on this deal I would probably rather have uh, an option um, given and one of the things that makes me say that is because of the what I believe the true comps in that area are, this area uh, versus the Zestimate are. Um, that difference really kind of threw me off. That's the first time I've really seen that big of a difference, like a twenty or $30,000 spread between what I think other three-bed, one-and-a-half yeah. baths are selling for uh, versus what yeah, this John, one John, would so sell let me, for. Let, let me cut you off just to so. – if you sure. were to take over the, the debt and own it and get the deed, why is that more risky to you or an inferior choice to, to an option in your view? What's your thinking there? Um, my thinking is that, you know, honestly, I'm not thinking um, one thing or the other. It's probably just because I'm uh, newer at the game than probably a lot of other people are, especially yourself. So it's yeah. just uh, it's just being green. It's a little bit the, of a fear uh, factor. What you're saying is you'd prefer to buy it only if you know you're going to cash it out. You don't want to go taking the deed on something and then maybe have to give it back to them or something or renegotiate it, and that that's the fear that you have about about doing it with owner financing. Um. Yeah, I guess a little. Uh, it's just the fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown and the inexperience that I bring into the table. I'm not afraid to, you know, I've conducted high-level business before in professional life, and I'm not afraid to renegotiate or come back to the table and things like that. It's just inexperience in this situation. Yeah, so and they also they also wanted a pretty big amount down. Um, oh, well, that because, didn't happen on this one. Yeah, because of the reason. Anyway. But, but yeah, let, sure. let, me, let me close the loop on the owner financing versus the lease option. Sure. In my mind, it's always better to get the deed and to have total control over the property. Okay? 
um, if something goes awry and you know the values you know uh, crank all the way down you know to where you if you had an option and you weren't going to exercise your option, look, you've got the deed, you've got total control. You could always give them the property back if 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 you want to, but I don't like. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say I don't like. I I prefer to not have to get the seller involved a year, two, possibly three years down the line to close on, on an option. There's problems that can occur on, on yeah. sandwich leases that just aren't going to occur when you have the deed. So to sure, me, it's always preferable to get the deed, get control, you know you're going to do the right thing, and do the right thing and do right by people. Um, and so do that via on owner that, financing. And do that by owner financing, the owner financing option, not well, lease option. Well, let's let's we have, we're going to have to have a we're going to have to have a, a little kumbaya meeting with the seller here. Um, yeah. You, they've already they've already told you that they're they're planning to um, to, to to possibly file for bankruptcy. So yeah, and I'm now I understand they want to get equity out of this, but I'm not sure they're going to get equity, particularly if they're talking about doing that soon, which makes me think that they may need to do that soon. I think the play here is is look. You, you owe 73 grand on this. The house, you know, isn't worth much more than that from what we can, we can see on the, the Zestimate. Uh, I can take over these payments for you, and, uh, and your name will stay on the loan for a little while until we get it cashed out. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I don't see how, how you're going to get any money out of this house. So would you like me to take over the payments on this, or would you like to, 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 to keep the house for a while and see what happens? Right. And I'd have that discussion. Uh, you said they wanted down payment. Like how much? They were asking to. They were. They were wanting. I mean, and they are actually being very reasonable about discussing the amounts of the purchase price, the amounts of a monthly, the amounts of the term. She's asking for somewhere. You know, she's hoping to get twenty thousand. I told her that's probably very unlikely that I'd be able to bring that much to the table. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I can possibly. Um, at least help you out and maybe get you yeah. a small bit of equity out of this house if you are going to follow through with uh, with a Chapter 7 filing. Yeah. Uh, I kind of think that, so, you know, you so never know gosh, what somebody's going to do until they do here's it. Here's the but. way to, to, to play this. Um, uh -huh. you, try to get them to sell you the house. You're going to, you, you know, you, you can tell them, look, you're going to have a lot of money into this anyway because you're going to pay their closing costs. I'm going to pay your closing right. I'm going to pay my closing costs. I've got to clean the house up a little bit to get it ready for sale uh, because I'm not going to live in the house. Uh, I'm probably going to have monthly payments on this thing for a while until I can get the right person in there so that I can get it cashed out. So I'm already coming out of pocket quite a lot. Uh, there's, there's very little equity, if any, and uh, your best bet on this is probably going to be to let me just take over the debt. Uh, now, if they agree to that, then then you know we'll take it over subject to, or, or you know it, you know if they want to buy another house and we want to you know be real generous, we could wrap around it with owner financing so that they don't have a debt to income ratio uh, problem. Um, but but my my first play would be to take it subject to. Now, if they won't do that, I don't think I don't think it's a good idea to put a down payment on this house uh, because you sure. are going to have both sets of closing costs and pop probably some holding costs. But if, you, if you're feeling generous and you're feeling like you're going to lose the deal otherwise, you could negotiate to uh, give them 
a uh, a note for some for some equity that would be paid later on when you when, when you cash out. And yeah. but but I don't think I would want to do much more than that. Um, the the good news here is you've got what did you say it was about seven hundred go, going out every month? Yeah, call it six seventy five to seven hundred. And you can pick up about uh, thirteen hundred uh, rental on it. Uh, that was rentometer. I think the rent would probably be more accurate to be listed between uh, let's call it eleven hundred and twelve hundred. So. Okay. So, so here's the thing. First of all, this is you know this is a very inexpensive property, and um, you know normally in the pretty house business we 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 tend to want houses that are more in the middle range for your area. I guess uh, I'm from Chicago actually originally. I don't know where Groneville, if I'm reading that right, is. But yeah, this is uh, it's. Yeah, it's still in Illinois, but this is in an area that's uh, not like Chicago at all. Mm -hmm. um, this is 330 miles south of Chicago, but still in the state of Illinois. Okay. Well, small town, Mid America. Look, here's the good news: if you can get them, if you can get in without uh, giving them a down payment, and and whether you do it with owner financing or a lease option, I like the fact that you have $300 a month of cash flow minimum on this thing. So if you did it on sure. a lease option, you know you never have to exercise your option. You can make $3,600 a year, right? 300 times 12 for three years, or whatever whatever terms you negotiate, and uh, and never exercise your option if you want, and, and even do it as a rental. Um, or you take a lower down payment, put someone in there who's probably never going to cash it out and, and exercise their option, and, and you know and make and make that spread. Um, but yeah. I, I think what you have here, Josh, is. Um, is an opportunity to pick up the property subject to uh, or, or get that monthly cash flow. And uh, you just have to have a, a, more of a conversation, like you said, with, with the sellers. So um, it looks like it's the makings of a good one. So uh, once they get better, you know, you said they, they might be a little sick, have the conversation with them and, and hopefully we can get this one closed. Yeah, hopefully within the next few days they'll uh, the antibiotics will kick in and they'll let me come by. Um, outside of going subject to uh, owner financing, would be uh, the choice above lease optioning. Uh, yeah, I, you could owner finance it. Uh, you know, let's say they say I won't take. You know, you got you got to get me at least. Um, you know, ten grand. Okay, well, I'll get you the ten grand, but I don't know when I'm going to get it to you. So we'll just put a note with no interest, no payments behind the uh, the seventy whatever it was. So you take over the first subject too, and then put a note uh, behind that. Or you can just you know uh, create a wraparound mortgage that has the terms of the seventy uh, plus the ten that you gave them. You know, you don't want to cut into your cash flow too much. So I'm not into you know giving them any interest or payments on it, but. Let them know that right. you know, still stay invested in the house, and that money will be there. Um, okay. You know, one issue though is having that asset if they go through a bankruptcy. You know, doesn't doesn't really it doesn't help them that much. So, in my mind, you should be able to get this one subject to. And uh, if you pull the trigger on walking away, they'll probably call you back and say, "I'll take it." Yeah, I mean, what what implications would file if if they filed Chapter Seven? Would that have on? The house. I'm actually, you know, I've actually talked to them, and I'm. It's not like they're 100% sure well, she's considering reason, it because of credit card debt. 
It's another reason to get the deeds uh, because otherwise they still, you know, have the asset and that'll probably be part of it. But you know, they'll still have the debt on the house, but they won't have the house anymore because they will have already um, uh, uh, deeded it to you. But that can definitely complicate things. So, I mean, would there be the possibility that I would that there would be a lien attached to that property at all? You know, if you own, well, I, look, a judge can do what a judge wants to do. And if they, you know, if they deed you the property and then they file for bankruptcy a couple of weeks later, the judge could try to unwind something. But you know, that's so. But but you're not going to be at any risk on this thing. But so I would go sure. get it subject to, and then um, you know, and, and see what you can learn along the way. Okay. Uh, uh, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Let us let us know what happened on it because it sounds like this is one that would need to be followed up on, um, depending on what the seller does. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I am going to go to. Um, I don't see Tommy on the phone, so I can't really talk about his deals here unless he's under somebody else's name here. But I don't think so. So the next caller we have is. Is it? Um, is this uh, uh, Alejandro? Oh, hi. Uh, actually, I'm using Alejandro's landline. I'm house-sitting in the home until I can buy my own house uh, through y'all system. This is Bella Chartrand. Hey, Joel. Okay, hey. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is so exciting. Very good to meet you. I'm really enjoying the classes online. You're amazing. Everything that y'all are teaching is just so much fun. I'm a newbie, and... Uh, and I uh, have watched all the videos probably two or three times, um, have invested in pretty house terms cash flow. Wondering what course, I have two questions, what course would be uh, good to study if I wanted to invest in land? Is that the commercial course yes, that Ron you offers? Yes, you would get that information uh, at the commercial boot camp, which I don't know Got if there's it. one upcoming. There's, there's almost okay. certainly a course on it, though. I see a home study course on it. I'm absolutely loving the pretty house terms cash flow business. Okay, my second question, thank you, Joel, for that, is, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> this is fun. Um, I, you know, there's been some speculation that there might possibly be a, another real estate bubble crash similar to 2008, and I was just wondering what your thoughts were on how we might position ourselves for um, protection and success. And, and the, the two things I was curious about was, what would be the safer bet? Um, pretty much to look for free and clear houses and do owner financing, or would it be okay to take over debt subject to or wrap it with um, uh, loans on houses? Or should we do straight lease options right now in case it does crash and then, of course, the value of the homes will be upside down at that point? What were your thoughts on that? I hope my question makes yeah, sense. Yeah, those are good questions. And, um, <laughs> okay. You know, you're, you're, you're talking to someone who's been through uh, several real estate cycles like that, yeah. uh, particularly yeah. the most recent one with the financial crisis in, in 08. So uh, yes. those kinds of things That's can happen. That's why I value and respect your answer, yes. Pardon me? That's why I value and, and respect your answer. I'm so excited you're actually doing the call tonight for that reason. Oh, well, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Know. Never yeah. get tired of hearing that. But, yeah, yeah so, so uh, there always is that risk of the uh, value of real estate going down. I don't let that impact what I do today because there's really no way to, to, to predict the timing of when stuff like that is going to happen. 
it does seem right. like we might be a little top heavy, particularly Nevada, where I am in, in, in mm -hmm. California. And uh, you could see some, some recession of the prices, if not a total economic collapse, given uh, you know, some of the macroeconomics that have occurred out there. But uh, the way I look at it, and it, it is that when things go awry like that, it becomes a great opportunity to pick up real estate, particularly pick up uh, property subject to existing financing. And so I don't worry too much about the uh, back end spreads, which is really what that question is, is pointed at. Um, yes. If real estate goes down, it cuts into my back end, maybe I wouldn't have done the deal. Uh, mm -hmm. I focus in on getting properties that I can create a monthly payment spread on and properties that I don't have to put a lot of money into up front, meaning just the closing costs in maybe a couple of months of, of holding. Uh, and not okay, that way we can get the non-refundable deposits and all that. You're talking about end. after you sell it? Uh, yeah, when we, when we go to sell it to the buyers, that way we can um, focus on the non-refundable well, deposits, the monthly cash flow, and then if it crashes, you know, hey, we got non-refundable upfront deposits, we've got had some monthly cash flow coming in, and you know, just let the property go or, uh, you know, figure it out at that point. Cause it well, there's no good reason to let crash. it go if you have, if you have, if you have, have, the one thing that hasn't happened is the rents don't tend to go down. They actually tend to go up because people, you know, uh, right. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden become that. renters, a whole new population yeah. of people comes out and the rents go up. So as long as, you, as long as you have the cash flow there, you're probably, you know, let's say, let's say in Josh's example, he buys, he buys that house. And, um, you know, and now all of a sudden the value of it is less than, you know, whatever note he puts on the back. You know, he's going to have to go back to the seller and, and try to renegotiate that. And the truth of the matter is I don't think I've ever closed on one property where there was a, uh, a note due uh, down the line or an option that was coming due down the line uh, where I didn't renegotiate with the seller. The deal after the deal is a major money-making event. And what I mean by that is let's say you put let's say you have a sandwich lease you've got a lease with an option to buy and and then you sell it on a, a lease with an option to buy and you learn from your buyer that hey they qualified for their financing they're ready to close and they're notifying you well your original seller doesn't know that and that could have happened you know if you have a three-year deal maybe that happens one year later so you call up your seller hey look you know I know I got a couple more years to maybe buy this thing maybe not uh, I've come into some money and I'm thinking about putting it to work. Um, if, I, if, if I cash you out of this thing and exercise my option now, uh, I'm going to have to ask you for, for quite a discount. Uh, would you rather talk about that or would you rather you know, just keep it in queue that maybe I buy it, maybe I don't a couple years from now? Or would you rather have the money now, whatever I can give you now? Brilliant. Everybody Brilliant. chooses money now. <laughs> yes, yes they do, don't they? <laughs> So, so the point is you can always negotiate that. And the same thing works on balloon payments. Mm -hmm. You know, you know that you have finance, proceeds from new financing coming in, so you can tell the seller, look, I'm early on this. This balloon doesn't, you know, come due for five years. Um, would you rather have some of the money now? Because I can, I can put some money to work right now, or we can just wait and see where we're at five years from now, and I'll keep making the monthly payments. I'll abide by your decision. So, so knowing that you have that in your back pocket, um, means that you should work to get properties with, without any upfront payment mm -hmm. and you should work to get properties where you can create a cash flow spread. 
uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm fine with that cheap deal that Josh talked about. There's $300 a month there. You know, why not take it? Even if you had to, you know, lease option it for a very low non-refundable deposit, pass on the maintenance and the repairs to the to the tenant buyer. You know, maybe you're only going to pick five, ten grand up on on a, on a on a crappy house like like that. But you're you're you're, and I'm only saying it's crappy because you know it's a it's appraising at seventy thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, most of the a lot of the lease option buyers with big down payments are going to expect more than that, but right. he's got $300 a month of spread on that. That's not bad. He could probably get more with the down payment assistance program. Maybe get 500 a month on it, and you know you hold that thing for three years. That's six grand a year for three years. Maybe he'll even you know get get to hold it longer. You, you don't have yeah, to have that many of those deals yeah, uh, in your portfolio awesome. to to replace your job or to you know have a good amount of extra income. So that's yeah, what we're really yeah. going for here, and um, you know, and I'm I'm impressed that you're you know looking into commercial boot camp, but you know I think yes. you know if you're talking about buying your own house and everything, maybe maybe let's do the basic stuff first. Let's learn the ugly house business, the pretty house business. Mm -hmm. Let's get into quick start real estate school, and see what yeah. kind of damage you can do in something that creates cash flow now. Okay, that sounds great. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Joel. This is so exciting. Yeah, my pleasure. I look forward to uh, yes. hopefully seeing you in Nashville. Yes, and uh, I do too. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to travel. I'm working on some other things. Um, will there be any remote webinar access for those like us who can't actually travel in person? You know, I, for some reason I thought I heard that there wasn't going to be, but I could be entirely mm -hmm. wrong because they signed no cast okay. it last year, so I think yeah. they did anyway. I would check with mm -hmm. Global on that. Uh, you know, okay, call the, the, the information line and see what they say. Good question. Uh, it'd be way more fun to go in person, though. If I can break away from the the project that I'm working on now, I absolutely will fly out for that real quick and then can jet back. But thank you again, Joel. I'm so looking forward to meeting y'all in person. Likewise. Thanks for your question. Yeah. Okay, I'm back on mute now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to shoot right. over to uh, Matt Romero here. Matt, uh, where are you calling from, and how's it going? It's going amazing. How are you doing, Joel? Excellent. Thank you. Good. Um, I'll be pretty quick here. Thanks for taking the time to uh, answer the question, and I appreciate your time for taking Ron's place for tonight. Um, I uh, have a house under contract at 125, and um, this is not a pretty house deal. This is a, uh, I guess what you would call a wholesale deal or ugly house. Uh -huh. um, but I'm finding out that it needs to be at about 100 to 110, uh, according to the buyer. What's the ARV on it, Matt? What's the after-repaired value? The after-repaired value is 175. 175, okay. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, what, how many dollars of repairs do you estimate? Um, about 20,000 is the consensus that I'm getting from the buyers. Okay, so let me pause your question for a second and uh, ask, are you familiar with the formula that we use for, for uh, houses that, that need this extent of repair? The MAO, yes. Correct. MAO stands for Maximum Allowable Offer. And how do we arrive at our Maximum Allowable Offer? R times 0.7 minus repairs and minus your fee. Not minus your fee. Um, uh, R because it's embedded within within the um, within the formula. So your after repaired value minus I'm sorry your after repaired value times seventy percent 
Okay, right. so um, 20% of that deduction is your fee, and 10% of it are, are the cost. In and out cost, meaning you're closing in, closing out, and then your holding cost. That's how come we take 30% off. We need that uh, just to operate. So it's 70% of the after repaired value minus your repairs equals the most you can possibly offer on this house, and we hope that you'll get it for much less. But if you get a deal under contract for under the Mayo, under the maximum allowable offer, it's something you should pursue. So let's do the math. What's uh, 175 times 70%? 122.5. And then minus 20. 102.5. So your maximum is 102.5. So right. that, that contract at 125 is probably, um, probably not something you, what you, you want to do. Well, and that's kind of my question. So I, 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 my initial offer was 91,000 cash, and then uh, I made another offer at about 102. Um, they turned it down, they came back, and they brought the price down 10,000. So my, my actual question to you is, having the property under contract now, is there anything that you would suggest or that, as far as renegotiating the, the price with the sellers? Tell them you're going to walk, otherwise you've got to get a, a better deal. And here's why. Generally, we want to make at least $50,000 on rehabs, and right. that's why we don't usually offer the Mayo when we're dealing in, in, in some, you know, this is a little bit more middle of the road, but lower, lower price houses. Like, you know, let's take Josh's example again. Let's say that was a rehab and it was only worth hundred grand. You know, I don't want to use the Mayo formula on a $100,000 house. There's just two, right. I mean, one bad thing happens with the electric, plumbing, or something like that. I mean, you can really wipe out your profit and be in, you know, to the point where you're not going to make any money on it. So I, I usually want to make sure I'm making at least 50 grand on deals that are in this price neighborhood. So mm -hmm. I think this is when you just got to go back to the, to the seller and say, you know, what you might do is pull up uh, the retail reports on the repairs and show them that the repairs on this are more than 20, 20 grand as long as you can substantiate it. Um, and just say, look, there's, just, there's too much rehab on this. I'm not going to be able to close on it at this price. Uh, we're we're going to have to sharpen our pencils here. Um, you know, to be honest with you, 91 might have been too much for me to offer, but I will honor that. Will you do the 91? Well, you said 102, and then maybe you decide that you'll do 102, or maybe they insist on 120 and you just got to walk, or you can take your contract for 125 and you can go to like an investor's meeting and just say, look, um, you know, I've got a property that needs 20 grand to repair. It's worth, um, you know, 175 when it's fixed up, and... Um, you know, I can sell it for one to you for 135. You, you walk into you know a pretty good chunk of equity, equity if you're a landlord. Line up at the break and talk to me about it. You know, if you want to waste your, I, I don't want to say waste your time, but if you want to spend your time doing that on this one, I'd rather you go out and make better offers on on more properties. But you know, that that's pretty much where you're at on this one. Let's let's not try to force square pegs into round holes. That's how people get into trouble. Uh, I agree. Understood 100%. So either go back and offer a lower price. Second, if I really wanted to spend the time attend the RIAs, try to find a landlord that may be interested. Otherwise, walk away from the deal. Yeah, because you already have it under contract. So, I mean, um, you, you, you might try to sell the contract. But okay. 
but I don't know that I'd want to spend time on it. I'd rather you spend your time making offers on, on other properties. <clears throat> okay, and um, that brings me to one other question. I don't know if I have time to answer it, but I, I send offers via email uh, to pretty houses. Um, is that acceptable? I just kind of write up a brief about the house, and I send a... Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's... It's a little, it, it, to me, it, it's not what's taught in the system. It can be done. Okay. Um, I think you need to have the conversation with the seller. They need to have a little bit, especially since there's going to be somewhat of a long-term financial relationship. It's really not that, in fact, you're going to get better, a better deal because people are going to tell you things and you're going to learn things and you, you may be able to adjust whatever you offer them downwards. We like to let people offer, make the offer to us and, and we aren't the one making the offer. And the reason for that is we ask questions. What's the least you can take? What? Right. That's the lowest you can go. Are you kidding me? Can, right. can, you know, <laughs> you're telling me if you don't, if I don't yeah. give you every penny of that, I should walk away. Come on. What's the least <laughs> yeah. you can take? Okay. What's your I second think. choice? You know, all of those kinds of little tips and tricks and tidbits. Just asking questions, they they'll open up and get you the get get and tell you what their their best offer is, and then you can let them know you'll reserve that until you come out and see the house, but. You know, you sound like we're in the in the right neighborhood here, but yeah, call the people up, have a quick discussion with them, and then structure the terms. I much prefer that than emailing out a bunch of a bunch of offers. Okay, perfect. All right, well, thank you, sir, Matt. Thank uh, you. Uh, hope to see you at the convention. Come and say hello if uh, if you're around. Uh, otherwise, have a great week. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Great. All right, let's go to Mr. or Mrs. Wilson. I got W. Wilson from 832 Area Code. Where, uh, where are you calling from and what's your question? W. Wilson? Can you hear me? Uh, I can now. Yes, sir. Oh, where are you okay. calling from? All right, how you doing, Joe? Very good. Yes, I'm from... Uh I'm from outside of a, a town right outside of uh, Houston, Texas, called Paraland, Texas. Nice. Okay, and I was just uh, calling in to ask a question about uh, reverse mortgage. I did a yellow letter uh, campaign, and I got a uh, house here that I talked to the lady about. Uh, it's a reverse mortgage, and I was just wondering... Uh, how to go about doing this deal, even if it is a deal. Uh, yeah. But the problem is they, they owe $120,000 on it. It's, it's a uh, right. reverse mortgage through American Advisor Group. Yeah, so let me, let, me, let me sort of cut you off on that. There's two types of loans that are very likely to be called due, reverse mortgages and home equity loans. Your, your traditional first mortgages, they still have, the lenders still have the option to call loans due, but uh, at least in my experience, Ron's experience, and a lot of his students' experience, we haven't seen those loans getting called due. They have the option, but they just don't get called due because they want to get paid. Uh, with reverse mortgages, those are going to get called due because of the way they're structured. So uh, that's not going to be a deal that you can do unless, the, um, unless they're willing to, to wholesale the property to you where you can get it at like 70 cents on the dollar less the repairs. Oh, okay. So you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do that or um, 
or they can they can refinance the house and then let you take over uh, the loan, but uh, but not not as a not as a reverse mortgage. Okay, Dan. Okay. But anyway, that, that was it's a good try. Keep going. Keep calling more sellers and uh, and sending out yellow letters, and you will come across these situations where people people need you. Okay. Appreciate it. Yep. Very good. Let me uh, let me move on to. Uh, this is uh, Brian Davis. Brian from three two. Hey Joel, how you doing? Excellent. Where are you calling from, Brian? Uh, Mansfield, Texas. My three two one number is from my last duty assignment back in Satellite Beach. Okay, what's going on, man? Uh, well, a couple of questions, really. Um, so I was out at the event, the Fast Track to Wealth, on Saturday, and we were going over a couple of property sheets. Um, Lynette Wolf and I was. We came up with different comp values, and she showed me on uh, Real Estate ABC, like it'll give you the one value up there in the upper left, but then it also gives you all these comps. And so uh, I heard one of your earlier callers was asking about, you know, which, which value do you go with? And I, I wanted to ask them, and of course I couldn't ask them at the time, but if they were looking at those extra comps. So first question is, how do you go about getting your comps using Real Estate ABC? Because um, I, I, obviously I don't trust, Zest, trust the Zestimates, but I also don't just blindly trust right. Real Estate ABC, you know, little corner one. So what do you do? Yeah, that, it's a very important question. Uh, the first thing is don't worry about any of that until you basic, basically have structured a, a deal. You need to know that they'll take monthly payments for a while until you can cash them out. You need to learn what those monthly payments could be. Get all that other information. The, the price is actually the least of my concerns. But in your due diligence, you'll, you'll deal with the price. And, and I mean early due diligence. So I would just take the real estate ABC and this estimate for what it's worth when you talk to them on the phone, ask them their opinion. If you want, you can look at some of the comps online. But the best way to do comps is to put yourself in the mind's eye of a couple who are going to buy a house and there's five houses for sale in the area and uh, there's three houses that have recently sold, and you, 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 when you go out to the house to meet with the seller, drive by those properties, and be honest with yourself on which one would you rather live in, and how does the subject property compare to those other ones. The beauty of the internet is you can see all these pictures online, and you can really do an accurate comparison, eyeballing things, and ask yourself, uh, you know, usually, usually, um, Usually it's the, it's the wife in a, in a relationship who's, who's choosing the house and ask yourself, what, you know, who would my wife choose or, you know, wh which property would she pick? Is this property that I'm going to see worth less than this one that just sold down the street or worth more? And calibrate based on that. The algorithms and Zestimate and Real Estate ABC are computer models that are fine-tuned, but they aren't perfect. Um, so I would use your, you know, use that mindset to go out and look at those properties and determine uh, what you think the value is from there, and then negotiate down from there with the seller. Okay, okay. And the question comes up. I've got an appointment on Wednesday to pick up a contract for three twenty on a property that's showing to be worth four ten, and I just wanted to kind of find. It's a cash deal. It's uh, you know, buy it, sell it. it supposedly needs no repairs or anything like that. So um, just. As I'm just kind of gathering my data as I get or ready to go out there. And you're buying it for 310 cash? Uh, 310, well, three, 320 cash sells for 410. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm in the process of lining up private money now. As long as it actually doesn't need any repairs and it's ready to just turn around and resell, um, then I, I feel I know it's way outside of. Well, actually, it's right within 80% of Mayo. As long as it doesn't, or it's within the 80% rule. It's over $300,000. The 80% rule, as opposed yeah. to the 70% rule. Well, you're asking the right question, then, Brian. Uh, it doesn't fit the formula. I've cheated on that formula before when I've had, had people uh, who needed to get it out of a house because of a divorce or some other reason and they're, they're willing to wholesale it but not fire sale it and, and uh, gone against the formula. But you better be doggone sure on the comps if you're going to put out that kind of cash. You don't want to learn that that house is only worth 350 Then you're screwed. Right, right. So do right. exactly okay. what I said. Go look at every single sale that, that's nearby. Uh, worst case scenario, you could even send an appraiser out there. You know, spend a few hundred bucks, have an appraiser give you his opinion, get the appraisal done before you go putting that. And I would definitely do that before I put that kind of cash out because the person you're going to sell it to is probably going to put financing on it, like bank financing. Right. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Actually, that is what um, I would do. I, I would do it my way first and see if I'm still coming up in the 400s. And if I am, I'd still spend the money on putting in a, getting a professional appraisal. You might learn something that you didn't notice. Right. Yeah, and I mean, especially since I'm going to be dealing with private money, I want to make sure that my investors know that they've got that peace of mind. So having that appraisal in hand would, would go a long way. Yeah, and you so. check the terms of the private money. The private money lender might even require, which isn't a bad thing, because <laughs> because then, then the appraisal will be on their dime. Yeah, I don't mind having extra extra oversight, that's for sure. All right, well, hey, um, okay. question, man. Well, um, can, can I shoot you one more real quick? Yeah, um, yep. Just regarding the way, when, so I've got my VA that calls all these different people, and then I get my various information sheets. Some of them have a little bit of information. Some have a lot of information. Some, you know, they, they don't want to give a lot. So talking to Lynette, she's like, well, I call them all back. Um, but when, it, you know, I've got a couple hundred calls a day being made, and I've got a, a stack of sheets coming back, um, how do you go about racking and stacking and making the decisions on which ones to call back and, and pursue? Is, are there yep. certain, That's yeah, well, what do you question. look for? That's a great question. Um, you're, if, you, if you have that many leads and that many outgoing calls, I suggest you get the book, The Less I Do, The More I Make, from Ron. Read I've already that. read it. I've already read it. <laughs> yeah. Get some people to do that for you. But as far as cherry picking off the top, I would take the yes leads in that case, and the ones that are the biggest dollar homes with the biggest potential spreads is, is the way I would work it. But Lynette is correct. Um, you know, I, I've personally seen her convert about a third of the no's into yeses. And a lot of times that's because the VA just isn't going to be as skilled as all of you are on, on the phone. They're, they're, you know, uh, they're, they're reading scripts. They're good at that. But in terms of thinking through and explaining and handling objections, that's, you know, where your expertise is going to come in. And for that reason, it doesn't take much to call and just say, hey, look, I know you want to uh, get cashed out on this. Everybody does. I, I do on most of my homes. Um, and I am looking at uh, giving you a cash sale on this. You just got to accept some monthly payments for a while until I can make that happen. Are you interested in hearing about that? You know, or just use the no script, which is, you know, a little bit longer version of what I just said, and, and try that. But if you've got 100 calls, you're right. Those aren't going to be the first ones I call. I'm going to go get those yes leads before another investor or a realtor gets them. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, good. Yeah, I was, I was kind of looking at them like, these are no's. Why am I even going to waste time on these? And then I sat there and watched Lynette turn four no's into two yeses that I'm now picking up contracts on. So uh, it's like, well, crap. How many, how many good deals have I thrown away? 
Um, so, all right, well, good. I, I appreciate your insight there. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, get them all called. I mean, if if you've got a property information sheet, they're you know they're probably motivated, and you know at the very worst, you can refer those no's to a realtor and make good friends with a realtor who might you know send you a plate of cookies or something for your for your effort. Awesome. That's what I need for my wife's one. All right, Joel. All right, thanks Brian. a lot. <laughs> Take care, man. You too. Uh, okay, uh, I have Scott Cusack from two four eight. Uh, where are you calling from, Scott, and what's going on? Scott, you with me? Yeah, sorry about that. I had no some earbuds problem. with no mic. No problem. <laughs> yeah, this is, I, uh, I'm calling from Metro Detroit. Um, I had a, hopefully it's a quick question, but it's more contract related. Okay. Um, based on Ron's standard purchase and sales agreement, I I've been having a really hard time wrapping my head around this last part in 2B, which talks about calculating interest um, after a number's been negotiated with a, uh, a seller. If those numbers aren't crunched, I'm trying to do the math just to figure out what it is that we're actually trying to determine in the Scott, end. Scott, are you an engineer? Uh, along those lines, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> in this case, yeah. I'm a thinker, yeah. It, it's it's interesting how uh, uh, detail oriented you need to be in in you know to have that kind of a role. It, it's it, it's really splitting hairs, and you can even have the attorney do that when they drop the mortgage and note. You don't you, you know just you you can approximate Hello? that in the contract, and and uh, it, it depends on the, the way you're structuring the financing, but that doesn't have to be a compli a complicated. Uh, equation. You can use an amortization table. Again, you can just have the attorney do it. You can copy the terms of the underlying uh, note that are on there. But um, you know, what circumstances do you find yourself? Oh, go ahead. Well, I, I almost never worry about that. I always just agree on a, a payment, and um, and and then and then we just write out what it is and later figure that out and it's and we're talking about you know d pennies and dimes here we're not talking about anything significant i don't think you're doing a 30 year loan with anybody so usually if someone's getting ballooned out in 3 5 years or 10 years or something like that even uh it's just not that important most people are more concerned about getting their price than they are about making a little bit of interest on the note that you're giving them uh, if you do get somebody who's very concerned about that just give it to them as long as the payment going out is less than the payment coming in and you're getting in for nothing down, you're going to pick up that front-end money of a non-refundable deposit. You're going to pick up some kind of spread on what's coming in and what's going out. Even if you're paying all interest and not getting any principal reduction, it's still a good deal. And you're going to be able to gotcha. dial a premium in on the back end because you're going to raise the price to account for the fact that you're giving somebody terms. So right. what you're talking about, uh, it is true that, that we want to we want to get that nailed down, but it's probably like the least important thing that you need to worry about. Think about it in terms sure. of chunks. As long as I have more coming in than I have going out, this is all going to work out. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I was getting that concern of whether I should be worried a principal pay down is actually working or not. But uh, in this case, well, go uh, for it. Uh, You're never going to want to buy a property just because you've got principal pay down unless you get a deal. Sure. 
Like I, you know, I had one one time where you know the guy wanted 300 and the house was worth only 250, and you know, but it was a beautiful house. The house could rent all day long um, for three thousand um, dollars. Had some great features on it, but you know what we ended up structuring was because he just wouldn't lower the price and there's no way it was going to appraise. So I offered him 100 payments of well, I didn't offer him this originally, but we ended up at. Uh, 100 payments of 3,000 each. That's 300,000. So you know, after a couple years, um, I've paid down a hell of a lot. I've already paid 72 grand off that 300, and I've got equity. And I didn't have negative cash flow because I could rent it for for pretty close to that. Right. So you do want to get principal pay down, but but the big money is really made on the front end deposit and your ability to dial up the price based on offering terms. And then you want to leave a little spread in there for, for cash flow in the middle. But uh, don't get too hung up on, 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 on principal reduction. It's important, but it's not vital. All right. That's good. I cool. appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, Scott. And our last question is from Jean, or Jean. I, I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, from 610. Uh, yes, this is, this is Rich Minot. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Rich, uh, you've got a different caller ID name, but uh, you don't sound like a GN, so I'll, I'll trust it's Rich. <laughs> uh, that's my wife. I'm on my cell phone, so it's in my wife's name. But there okay. you are. So uh, where's 610? Is that, that's in Texas, isn't it, or is that Pennsylvania? Uh, Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. Rich? Uh, yeah, it's in Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. Uh, uh, Rich, did we lose you? I'm still here. Oh, I, no, I was Look. just asking where you're from. From Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. Okay, great, great. Uh, I'm kind of mad at you because I'm a Chicago Bears fan, but you, you got your, your comeuppance this weekend, so I guess we're even. All right, well, I have a, just a quick question. I understand that uh, when you're trying to call FISBOs and you've called them two or three times and can't get a hold of them, that you should send them a text. What is the exact um, text that you should send them? I don't know if Ron has a specific script for that, but uh, what I send is, hey, I'd like to make an offer on your house. Please call right away because we've got three in mind. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, say the last part again because... Hey, I'd like to make an offer on your house right away. Can you please call me as soon as possible? There's three other homes we're interested in, but yours is number one and I'd like to discuss an offer with you. Something like that. Okay, great. And just, just have them call you. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yep, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for calling in, Rich. And thank you, everybody, for being on the, on the call. I hope there was some benefit that everyone got from it. And again, I'll just reiterate that this convention, this national convention, is coming up in Nashville. I'd really love to uh, meet some folks who I haven't met before at the convention, particularly if you're on this call. Uh, come out, say hello, and it's just going to be a tremendous amount of information presented at that at that conference. And if you can if you can find a way to get away, please do it. And everyone have a wonderful week, and we'll catch up with you next month. Take care, everyone. Signing off.